Well, in many parts of the world, it is already April Fool's Day. So for the next 12 hours, at least, beware of what you read. I always fall for something every year. I can't tell. These days, it's so hard to tell because sometimes you'll read something scientific and think that can't be true. It's April Fool's Day. Then you realize it is true. Uh, there are some, it's in Australia, obviously, it's already been April Fool's Day. It's already over in Australia. It's supposed to end at noon, by the way. Um, so today, I mean, a lot of, it's usually marketing related now. So McDonald's put out a sweet and sour Sunday, uh, that sounded awful. Uh, there was another one that combined Weetabix and beans, baked beans that sounded awful and, but they always look quite real and they're always funny. So there's a few, uh, beware of those tomorrow. So I was thinking either, if you've seen any April fool's pranks already online that you think are good and wouldn't mind sharing them with me, 877-399-9898. That's 877-399-9898. Or tell me about a good April fool's prank that you've either had pulled on you or have orchestrated. Uh, Obviously you don't have that much time if you're texting it, uh, but just a few lines about what it was and how well it worked. Um, I've honestly never been, I don't know why I've never been an April Fool's person. I've probably been hyper vigilant on April Fool's Day so people don't bother. Either that or I'm boring, therefore they don't bother doing doing it for me. One of the two, I'm not going to ask. Uh, no one needs to tell me, I don't need to know. But 877-399-9898 if you want to share either something interesting you've seen online. Australia, as I mentioned, already has some of their stuff out today. Um, share some of the stuff you've seen online or tell me about a good April Fool's prank that you've fallen for, that you've orchestrated. And uh, we'll share those with you through this hour when we look at April Fool's Day. So I was trying to figure out some ways to talk about April Fool's Day without you know, necessarily talking about gags or the things we've all heard about before. I always love, you know, I do love, love a good April Fool's joke and the marketing companies obviously do a really good job with them uh, these days. Uh, but I wanted to find out a bit more about why we fall for them. So I went looking for someone to talk about this. Um, you know, as the old joke goes, gullible isn't in the dictionary. And somehow in this cover, you know, apparently that was once true a way, way back. It was culpable, not gullible, but anyway, it is in the dictionary now. But as we head towards April Fool's Day, I did want to take a closer look at what makes us fall for things that either aren't true or at least aren't as they appear. Now, gullibility is an odd one because growing up, you always had that one friend who would would believe everything, right? Um, And I think over time, you stop, you at least stop trying to prank people like that, either because it's unkind. um, And and honestly, you know, it doesn't, just isn't much fun when you're past the age of like 10 or 11. Um, But what about the rest of us? You know, gullibility can be can be a tough thing because on April Fool's Day, it's fine if you fall for an article about something that you don't really, it's irrelevant to some extent. But what about the other 364 days of the year where it can be a little more problematic if you fall uh, for something? And what better person to do that than to explain gullibility than my next guest? Stephen Greenspan is the author of a book called, believe it or not, The Annals of Gullibility, Why We Are Duped and How to Avoid It. Stephen Greenspan, thanks for being here. Thank you, Ben. Pleasure. So tell me a bit about, about just even the science or lack of science in, of, of gullibility. I understand it's still very much a work in progress in understanding why we choose to believe what we choose to believe. Well, gullibility was actually uh, talked about a lot more in the 19th century. And uh, I sort of, I can't say I discovered it, but uh, because it's, it's been an important theme in uh, literature but not so much in social sciences. So I started writing about it, uh, oh, uh, 15 or so years ago when I 
got involved in a criminal case. I'm a forensic, I'm a psychologist. I often testify in criminal cases and the particular defendant I was evaluating uh, was, um, had a brain, uh, had brain damage and was described by one of his relatives as the most gullible person on the planet. And I began to realize that it's a big problem in people with various kinds of disabilities, as I started writing about it. And then, of course, I've realized it's a big problem for everybody, including myself. I happen to be pretty gullible. Yeah. I mean, what, how do you define, uh, when you set out to research something, how would you define gullibility? Well, I define it as a tendency to be duped or fooled or tricked, manipulated. And uh, it's related to uh, credulity, which has to do with believing things that shouldn't be believed. So people who are gullible uh, tend to have a tendency to believe things, uh, take them on face value when they should be more skeptical. And then gullibility, uh, at least as I see it, uh, involves some action such as investing in a fraudulent scheme or uh, doing something that could get them in trouble, such as participating in a crime or agreeing to be interviewed uh, in a police interrogation and, and coerced into, uh, psychologically coerced into confessing a crime they may not have committed. So I guess because there, there is this sense, and it is April Fool's Day uh, or coming up on it, um, yeah. where we're, we're meant to be gullible, where there's sort of a celebration of gullibility on, on April Fool's Day. And then there's also this idea that somehow naivete and gullibility may not be terrible things to be, to believe in things, even if you run the risk of being tricked. Um, so where does gullibility lie on that spectrum? Is, is, it, is it not quite the same? Is it worse? Well, it's a form of trust. And trust, as you indicated, is a good thing. The world would be a pretty grim place if we didn't trust other people. And that's kind of at the heart of gullibility, particularly around uh, uh, April Fool's Day, because it's a matter of trusting uh, uh, when perhaps we should uh, be more aware of uh, the fact that we are being tricked. <laughs> I, I have a, a brief discussion of April Fool's Day in my gullibility book, uh, which I published in early 2009. I since followed it up with a book called Anatomy of Foolishness, because I see gullibility as an aspect of fully broader concept of foolishness. And apparently it started in France when uh, uh, people uh, were resistant to switching over from the Julian to the Gregorian calendar. Pope Gregory in 1582 proclaimed, I think at the Council of Trent, that uh, adopting a new calendar. The main reason for the new calendar was to keep uh, Easter occurring around the same time of the year. It started showing up earlier and earlier. <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people were uh, resistant to switching over this calendar. That's and from, the dates were different, right? Is that from January 1st, April 1st to January 1st? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, it was April 1st, but also... Uh, Another difference for the calendars is the year is slightly the length of the year is slightly different. <clears throat> right. But after a while, it's a kind of a creeping effect. Anyway, uh, pe people who sometimes were in rural areas were not aware of this change. They were made fun of. There was a a fish symbol put on their back, basically saying that they were gullible fools. And uh, in England around that time, uh, something called All Fools Day started, which 
uh, morphed into April Fools um, because of the fact the calendar no longer started in April. Right. And North America, I think it took a little longer to catch on. Yeah, I grew up in Quebec where it's literally called Poisson d'Avril, April Fool's Day, which is, you know, uh, the fish of April. So that would make sense uh, for, for people having fish put on their back. What what yeah. did you discover then about... about sorry, go ahead. In, uh, in uh, Quebec also, the, uh, I believe also in Ontario, there's uh, something called Cabbage Day or Mischief's Day, which is a similar holiday, but it occurs around uh, October. So what is the, uh, what then did you find about, uh, so you looked into the history of, of April Fool's. Uh, what, how did you think, why did you think it was important to look into April Fool's and its association with gullibility? Oh, I don't think it's particularly important. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm more interested in things like uh, why people fall for scheme, scams, uh, like the Madoff scam, or why people uh, are fooled in political things. <laughs> Right, such as what's going on in the U.S. right now. Agreed, or or many other <laughs> many other places. It seems information is uh, is a very fluid fluid commodity these days. But I mean, the gullibility crops up in every area, including romance, being tricked into marrying the wrong person. You name it, the gullibility play, plays a role in it. So, in that case, how how do you? What is then gullible? in your eyes, when you looked into it, what makes for a gullible person? Well, uh, I look at it uh, in terms of uh, not just uh, the person, but the whole context in which someone uh, is tricked and manipulated. There are some people who are extremely gullible, and uh, in that sense, personality enters into it. Some people are just very trusting. I happen to be a very trusting person, and on occasion, that's gotten me in trouble but the the situation itself contributes to it uh some situations pull for a gullible response even on people who otherwise might not be so gullible and then uh your state enters into it if you're inebriated or exhausted or in a lustful condition you know more likely to be gullible one of the things i found interesting is you we're, we're fascinated not so much because we do spend a lot of time paying attention to the trickster not the tricked um, and you found it was exactly. important to look into the, to what lay behind the psychology of being tricked as opposed to pulling off a trick. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, most psych- psych- I'm a psychologist, and most of the li- literature on gullibility um, uh, in psychology really focuses on the, the trickster, and I'm, I'm more interested in the victim. I'm speaking with Stephen Greenspan, the author of Annals of Gullibility, Why We Are Duped and How to Avoid It. We're talking about this on the eve of April Fool's Day uh, and looking into some of the specific traits that make for, uh, that allow us to be gullible. Why sometimes being gullible isn't necessarily a bad thing, although it can lead us to bad places. After this, we'll look a little deeper into some of the ways to avoid it, because clearly April Fool's Day is not a bad day to be Uh, gullible. Uh, We're meant to be, and it can be all good fun. But uh, the other 364 days of the year, it can be a bit more troublesome. We'll be back with that. I'm back now with Stephen Greenspan, author of The Annals of Gullibility, Why We Are Duped and How to Avoid It. We're talking about it, of course, on the eve of April Fool's Day, uh, a day where being gullible is all fine and dandy. We're meant to be. It's part of the fun. Um, Outside of that, though, I mean, and you've mentioned this before, um, it is something that we that we need to to be quite careful of these days, given how much information we're exposed to. So, how does one avoid being gullible, except for on April Fool's Day? 
Well, um, usually there are clues, there are red flags. Uh, I can tell you about uh, a, t- a time I was tricked. Sure. Uh, my wife and my youngest son came into the house one day and said that uh, at the, we lived in a neighborhood that had a communal uh, kind of a bulletin board by, by some communal mailboxes. And uh, uh, one of the nice things in this neighborhood was every year we had a hayride around Halloween. And uh, no, I'm sorry, oh, we did, but we also had an, an egg hunt around Easter. And so I was in charge of the egg hunt. And they said they were signed down at the bulletin board by the mailboxes saying that signed by 10 kids saying that uh, if we're going to have this Easter egg hunt, then I need to dress up in a bunny outfit, which I I got quite upset about. No way am I going to wear a bunny. You have to be kidding me. And uh, then my son said, uh, well, would you like to come look at the bulletin board? Yeah, let's go. At which point they all cracked up and said April Fool's. So, I mean, it should have been fairly obvious to me that uh, there's something fishy about this. Like, who ever heard of kids uh, signing a petition? And uh, it's not like the, I was known to that many kids in the neighborhood. But, uh, you know, affect enters in. Uh, you do have to uh, sort of describe the perfect recipe, though. It has to be just believable enough. Yes. From the person delivering it has to be just believable enough. And the circumstances have to be just slightly off, but still believable. Well, it turns out we had a neighbor named Carla who uh, put them up to it because uh, <laughs> she knew I was working on a book on availability. And she wanted to see if I had, and I told her I was starting to overcome my tendencies towards gullibility. So she decided to see how gullible, how non-gullible I had become. Of course, the answer was I was still pretty gullible. So, uh, yeah, I mean, my, my wife and son had never done anything like this to me. If they had, I would have been a little bit more aware. Uh, they're, almost always, they're almost always red flags, and, uh, but we sort of suspend uh, our judgment. When emotion enters in, in this case, emotion definitely enters enter in. The fact of the matter is I happen to be somebody who likes to make people happy, and I probably would have worn the damn uh, bunny outfit if, uh, if, they had, if it was legitimate. <laughs> the, um, so they're in, because you've described another root of gullibility, there is sort of believing in something because you want to believe in it. And then there is also, I think, uh, the notion of being sort of willfully or willingly rather gullible, where you kind of know that something might be up, but you go along with it anyways, because you are aiming to please. Yeah. I mean, self-delusion is a big part of it. Uh, and people in a more toxic situation, more malevolent users of, of gullibility, like a scammer, scam artist, a confidence artist, they're good psychologists and uh, they know, uh, they know that we want to believe. It's difficult for most people to say no. You've, you're uh, to be suspicious. Uh, so you would think that a paranoid person would be hard to fool, but in fact, they're pretty easy to fool. If, uh, if in fact, you take advantage of the particular conspiracy conspiracy theory that they might have. Um, one of the things I found interesting about your research, because it was sort of counterintuitive, was that we seem to think that trusting people are more gullible 
than suspicious or conspiratorially minded people. But in fact, you found that that was not the case. And why would that be? Well, trust as as an aspect of it, but we're really talking about naive trust or foolish trust. Uh, There's actually, there hasn't been that much research on gullibility, but there there was a researcher in Japan who studied it quite a bit. And he found that uh, people who are trusting, uh, uh, being fooled can be educational. Uh, it, it makes us more aware of uh, social interactions and when to be on our, our guard. So being fooled is part of being human. The, the key is to not repeating the same mistake all the time and also recognizing those situations that clearly are dangerous. Stephen Greenspan, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you.